Good morning, everyone. Uh, great joy to be with you this morning, and happy Father's Day, of course, to all our fathers who are here today. Uh, today with me, we have Father Brady. Most of you probably know him. He's the director of spirituality here in the seminary. Uh, all of those guys in spirituality, or all the men, they just got back from their 30-day silent retreat. So they're still being silent over at the house. So Father Brady had to get away, right, and uh, come be with us, which is a great joy uh, to have him here. Uh, today, I want to preach about fathers and the importance of fathers in our life. And I want to do it from three different angles. First, earthly fathers, then God the Father, and then lastly, St. Joseph as kind of the perfect example. Of course, he wasn't perfect, right? He lived with two perfect people, uh, but he's the perfect kind of example as a saint of what it means to be a father. So I want to start off um, just by acknowledging that once you become a dad, you kind of get weird, right? You begin to tell these dad jokes and uh, you begin to relate differently. I can admit that for myself. Uh, I don't have any dad jokes for you today, unfortunately. Um, Father Brian loves to make fun of me because I love to make dad jokes. Then he always says to me, this is exactly why people leave the church, right? <laughs> um, But what I want to start off with is some statistics. Statistics of what happens when we don't have fathers. I think some of these are a little bit hard to hear, but I think it's important to hear them because it shows the state of our culture and it shows the devastation when we fail to have fathers in our life. 27% of children today, so one in four, live without a father in their home. 50% of those children have never set foot in their father's house. 90% of runaways and homeless originally come from fatherless homes. 85% of children with behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 64% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes. Children from fatherless homes are twice as likely to drop out of school. Children from fatherless homes are four times more likely to live in poverty. Children from fatherless homes are ten times more likely to use drugs and alcohol. Children from fatherless homes are 32 times more likely to run away. Girls from fatherless homes have a 100% higher risk of obesity and 400% higher risk of pregnancy before the age of 20. Girls from fatherless homes have a 92% chance of getting divorced at least once in their lives. This is what happens. This is the state of our culture when we don't have good fathers in our lives. And I think as a result of this, particularly men, we try to push back on this because we recognize this isn't good. This isn't what God has desired. God has not desired for us to have bad fathers. God wants good fathers for us. And just a note, if you don't have a good father, that's okay, because from the beginning of time, God always has intended for him to be your first father. He's your first father. And he gives us earthly fathers to hopefully mimic who God is supposed to be for us. A loving father, one who lays down his life. You don't have to become your father. Your fate is not the same. And so what do we do, right? We, we react to this, and there's, I think, two different things that can happen. 
The first, we see the way masculine, masculinity is and the way fathers are, and so we become cowards. I can't live up what, to what it means, so I just won't act, period. I become a coward. I'm not going to um, pursue a woman. I'm not going to do these things because it's too hard. I have my vices, I have my struggles, and I'm never going to overcome these. Men, you don't have to be cowards. You don't have to see in the face of a woke and feminist agenda that you can't do it. Because that's a lie and that's not true. You have what it takes to be a good man and to be a good father. The other extreme is to look at the culture and say, well, I'm just going to double down and then we get toxic masculinity, to say, I'm going to prove that I'm a man. I'm going to prove to everyone, and I'm going to show them through power, through force. But it's also a lie in our culture that masculinity is toxic. Men, your masculinity is not toxic. And you should never be afraid of leading, especially a woman, a spouse, your children. You should never be afraid to assert your fatherly authority because God has given that to you. And it's important to lead with that. Your masculinity is not toxic, and you have what it takes. And there we find, from all eternity, what God has intended, which is to have good fathers, good men, and a loving family. No one is better off without a good father. You might be better off without a bad father, but our hearts, your heart would still long for a good father. A loving Father who's with you. And that's God the Father. He's always desired to be your first Father in your life. You know, at the Last Supper, Jesus gave us a new commandment. He gives the apostles a new commandment. It's fascinating. What is that new commandment? Today I give you a new commandment love one another. As I have loved you, so you should also love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the distinguishing quality of a father. Not one who asserts his authority. Not one who says, look at all the great things I've done. Look how hard I'm working. Look how much money I make. That's not what a good, loving father does. A good father is one who loves deeply. It's the cross one who lays down his life for his beloved, one who lays down his life for his children. That's what a father is called to do. And it's hard. It's very hard. Mother Teresa once said, I have found the paradox that if you give until it hurts, I have found the paradox that if you give until it hurts, there can be no more hurt, only more love. That's what we're called to do, to give until it hurts, to love until it hurts, because with love there is suffering. We don't call God Father because he's like earthly fathers. It's the other way around. Fathers are meant to mirror God's love. Likewise, we don't call the priest father because he's like earthly fathers. We call the priest father because he is supposed to love like God, to lay down his life. 
fathers are called to lay down their lives for their kids and for their spouse. And the challenge when we fail to do that, when I fail to do that, we go to confession to receive the Father of mercy, to receive his mercy and to begin again. Our sins don't have to define us, define us. Our failures don't have to define us, but the loving mercy of the true Father in heaven is what defines us. Men, don't be afraid to lay down your lives for your spouse and for your children. That's what it means to be an earthly father. What about God the Father? You know, our gospel today has one of my favorite words in, in the Greek and all the scriptures. Jesus, of course, calls his apostles, but before that, he goes and he sees this great crowd. And it says he has compassion on them. It says his heart was moved with pity for them. Why? Because they are like a sheep without a shepherd. They're like children without a father. They're like children who need a mentor, who need someone to guide them, who need someone to lead them. And the tragedy of these sheep without a shepherd, Jesus' heart is moved with pity. So then he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labor, laborers are few. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his, is, into his harvest. This is always meant to be seen as a call for priests. The harvest is abundant, but we need more laborers. We need more fathers. Yes, in the priesthood, but also in the earthly sense. That men would come and rise up and, and accept the challenge to lead and become a father to the childless, a shepherd to those who don't have one. But Jesus is compassion. He has pity on them. His heart is moved with pity. The Greek word here, I know Father Brian has preached about this, so maybe you remember it. The Greek word here is splankna. Can you say that, splankna? It's a hard word to say, right? Splankna uh, literally means, it's where we get the word spleen from. It literally means bowels. From the very core of his being, Jesus is moved with compassion, moved with pity, because he sees the tragedy of the situation. So much so that he, it, it moves him in his very core. This word splankna, splaknitsomai, is only used 12 times in all of Scripture. And it's all in the Gospels. Another time where this word is used, splankna, to be moved to the core, is in the parable of the prodigal son. This great parable where the prodigal son, he says, I don't need my father. I don't need my mentor. I don't need someone to tell me and to guide me, to help me in this life. What I need is your inheritance. Give me your money. I will go and spend it. And he goes and spends it on loose living. And he loses everything. And he winds up eating with the swine, he says. And coming to his senses, he says, I will go back to my father and say, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Take me as one of your hired servants. So he goes back. And as he's coming back, what does his father do? His father sees him. And because his father sees him, that means his father has been waiting, waiting by the window, waiting for his son to return. That parents, sometimes we like to control what our kids do. 
but the mystery of having their own freedom, letting them have their freedom to choose and maybe even fail. But if a good father will wait by that window, waiting for his son to return, and it says the father moved with compassion, moved, uh, his heart is moved with pity, he sees his son way off in the distance, and he goes and he runs to meet him. And he hugs him and he kisses him because his son has returned. That's the heart of the father, one who prays, one who intercedes, one who helps, one who waits for his son, for his daughter to return, to have mercy upon that child. The heart of the father is one that pursues you, is one that loves you, and one that will offer you mercy over and over again. Earthly fathers, the Heavenly Father, and now just a brief conclusion with St. Joseph. You know, St. Joseph, it's interesting. In a certain sense, he's the least capable person in the Holy Family to lead the Holy Family. Mary is born without sin, Jesus is God, and yet St. Joseph is the one who's the father of the family. Only he can be father because God chose him to do so to lead the Son of God on this earth. The New Testament St. Joseph is meant to be seen with the Old Testament St. Joseph. What happens with the Old Testament St. Joseph? Genesis 30 through 50, roughly. St. Joseph, the youngest of 12, he's sold into slavery by his brothers. His brothers thought he was dead. And he's taken Joseph uh, into Egypt, and he's actually adopted into Pharaoh's court. And Pharaoh raises him, and Pharaoh uh, appoints him and promotes him, and he becomes in charge all of Egypt of, of the granaries, of all the wheat in Egypt he's in charge of, because Pharaoh sees something in him. And all of a sudden, a famine breaks out, and they don't know what to do. Pharaoh says, I don't know what to do, I don't have the resources, but I know Joseph does. Joseph had been storing up all this wheat in the granaries for years. And what does Pharaoh say? He says, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. Go to Joseph. He will intercede for you. He will help you. He will be a loving father for you. And the beautiful story of then the famine in Israel of his 11 brothers coming down and he reveals himself. He first hides and then says, I am your brother and only I can save you because there's a famine and I have the power to give you or not give you this wheat and this grain. Go to Joseph in times of famine, in times of hardship, in times of challenge. He will intercede for you. He will pray for you. I want to close with a quote from a book. It's the Consecration to St. Joseph, kind of speaking about St. Joseph. Today there is a worldwide and spiritual and moral famine on the earth. Souls are dying because of lack of spiritual nourishment. Hearts are broken. Marriages are ruined. Lives are destroyed. Children are murdered in the womb. And truth and common sense are in short supply. The spiritual and moral famine in the world is devastating every nation, laying waste to humanity. There is not a single country left that has not been affected by it. What are we to do? 
To whom can we go to find nourishment for our souls? Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you.